preseason is done, and now the Hawks turn their attention to the regular season. Yeah, I thought we learned a lot in preseason. Uh, I thought our guys did a good job of trying to apply the things that we were uh, committed to the defensive end of the floor. Welcome to the Hawks Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, the beat writer here at the AJC. And this is where we'll give you the stories beyond the score. I'm joined today by my trusty handy dandy producer, Daniel Salerson. Daniel, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm, re- I'm ready for Wednesday to come around here so we can see some regular season basketball for the Hawks. You and me both. And so now that we have the regular season upon us today, we're just going to be you know, talking just a little bit about that last preseason game there in uh, Birmingham against the Pelicans. But mostly we'll be we'll be talking about the regular season that's coming up. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're listening for the first time, please make sure to follow along wherever you get your podcast. We're happy to have you guys aboard, so let's go ahead and get started with talking about what we saw on Friday against the Pelicans and then getting into the regular season and, and what Hawks fans should be expecting to see. So, you know, I thought, I think I would be lying if I said that I wasn't a little bit worried with the Hawks having some, you know, kind of rough starts to start games, especially considering that, you know, it would have been two in a row, one being against Cleveland and then again against the Pelicans. But I mean, I had to put things back into perspective that both of those teams are very, very good teams that are on the rise. I mean, the the Cavaliers brought aboard Donovan Mitchell, who I think will help take that backcourt to the next level. Obviously, they re-signed Ricky Rubio, who was a huge part of that push early last season for them to kind of get into the top three um, in the Eastern Conference. So, I mean, Ricky obviously didn't play in the exhibition game last Wednesday, but I think that the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to be a team that is going to give the Hawks trouble for years to come. I mean, they're just stacked, to put it simply. Now, with the Pelicans, obviously, they've brought aboard, you know, CJ McCollum, who, again, was a huge push um, or a huge reason for that push into the playoffs last year. And then, obviously, you've got Brandon Ingram, who was the most improved player back in 2020, who is just 
being Brandon Ingram and doing Brandon Ingram things. And you could see that the Hawks had a ton of con- a ton of trouble kind of controlling him in that early first quarter where, you know, he was just making shot after shot after shot. So I think, you know, the the Hawks realized that and went to their second unit. And we saw with DeJounte, the Holiday Brothers, uh, Jalen Johnson and Frank Kaminsky that they were able to turn things around and turn that game around. So I think that made me feel a lot more confident that about this Hawks team's depth. I was a a little bit worried before, but the fact that they were able to pretty much erase that 16 point deficit after the Hawks kind of gave up 40 points in the first quarter and and get themselves back in the game, outscore the Pelicans uh, 42 or 43 to 24 and, you know, really get things going again before those starters sat down in the second half. Again, it, it made me feel a lot more confident about the depth that this had. It made me feel confident about where Jalen Johnson is and that he is ready to handle those extended minutes. I think the Hawks did things really well with, you know, kind of prepping him and sending him to the G League. And he had the right attitude of wanting to go to the G League to get those extra minutes. So, you know, I think we're seeing that maturity and that walk different as Nate previewed back at Media Day um, come into play here. And I'm really excited for where this team is heading you know, they have a really good start to the season or, or, you know, they have teams that they should beat, um, heading into the season. So it's not hard to see them starting off five and O, but before that, I mean, Daniel, what did, what did you think of how the Hawks did in those final exhibition games? I think the fact that you did it without Clint Capella and Bogdanovich shows the depth that you have, because those are going to be two guys that if you throw Capella back in the starting lineup, and if Kongu comes off the bench, then that's just another weapon you have there in that second unit. And then as far as Bogey is concerned, if he does come off the bench or if he does start, then DeAndre Hunter comes off the bench. I mean, you have options there. So the fact that you're able to have five guys that scored over seven points in that comeback, I think shows the resiliency of this team. And so it, it, it happens sometimes as far as the starters just get off to a really slow start. But the fact that they erased that deficit in one quarter, it wasn't some teams it takes two quarters, two, three, and four, they run out of gas and then it becomes a blowout again. But they made it interesting really quickly. And you mentioned New Orleans and, you know, you didn't mention Zion Williamson, another key piece that they have. The fact that they're bringing him back. He didn't play, but Brandon Ingram, that was his first preseason game of the of the season. And so I think he was ready to get as many shots up as he could while uh, he had the opportunity. So overall, I'm excited about this team and, and what they have in store. It, it's so hard to take positives and negatives from preseason just from the fact that it's preseason. But I think when you look at how this roster is built, um, can't help that be excited for how deep they can go in this bench. I know we'll talk about that later, but the, the depth of this team, I think is going to be really crucial to their success this season. Absolutely. I, I agree, especially, you know, 82 games. It's, that's a very long Time. That's a lot of games. That's a lot of time that's going to put some wear and tear on those guys' bodies. And so you definitely want to make sure that you have the depth that can sustain things going deep into the season. I mean, I know there's a lot to be said about when you can kind of get a sense of when teams are going to be making the playoffs. But in the Hawks' case, I don't think they have nearly as much room just because Nate has alluded to how much they need to build this chemistry, not just DeJounte and Trey building chemistry or, you know, it's it's the entire team just because 
you know, he expects Trey Young and, and DeJounte to be playing minutes without each other. And, and, and he wants the rest of the team to be used to, you know, DeJounte Murray running the show. So I think it's, you know, of course, going to take some time for them to build that chemistry. And Nate has said that himself. But, you know, here's what he said about how this team, that second unit, you know, brought things back to to where, as you mentioned, it made things interesting in Friday's preseason game. Well, I thought our second unit came in and, and uh, as you just mentioned, uh, settled things down. I thought uh, uh, they jumped on us really uh, quick, uh, putting up a 40-point quarter. We, we just can't give up that type of quarter. Uh, and uh, I, I thought our second unit came in, got some stops, was able to get some uh, movement and score and get us back into the game. Uh, and. Uh, that was good to see. I liked the way we responded uh, to that uh, that challenge. And uh, I thought our, our second group came in and did a good job with that. Yeah, I think, again, the fact that they were able to outscore the Pelicans 43 to 24 is telling enough that they got some ball movement. But I think you could kind of see how much that unit was a settling force from the start of the second quarter. I mean... Uh, you know, Murray just kind of started carving things up. It's like he he knew when to push the pace and knew when to kind of bring things back and 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 really exploit what New Orleans had on the floor to get the right stops. Um, you know, that unit again, the holidays add plenty of defensive experience between the two of them. Justin Holiday has a ton of length that can be very disruptive on the perimeter. And so Jalen Johnson also showed plenty of uh, willingness to guard Brandon Ingram, which is what Nate said they wanted. Nate McMillan said that they wanted to give him that challenge, and he certainly rised to it. I mean, I don't think Ingram had nearly as many shots as he had in the first quarter. I mean, I think he ended the, the day with 17 points and scored just about... I'm trying to remember off the top of my head because stats were okay. Just a side note: stats were down all night in the NBA on Friday. It, it what we thought when we were on the ground in Birmingham, we thought it was just because they're not used to this arena, and you know they didn't get their stuff together before the start of the game. But it turns out that it was league wide, so stats were completely messed up all across the board. So that was quite an interesting experience to try and keep track of games when you don't have stats to consistently turn to it. It makes you go back to the old days where you have to keep stats yourself. But getting back to the matter of hand, you know, I think it was really cool seeing how, you know, Jalen Johnson made things difficult for Brandon Ingram, forcing him to make the extra pass as opposed to trying to drive in and pull up for those mid-range shots that he's so used to doing. Um, there was also a moment that really just made me excited for this kid's potential when CJ McCollum called for a switch and it just didn't phase it didn't phase Jalen Johnson at all. He he stuck right there in front of CJ McCollum and, you know, forced that shot clock turnover there. So I think fans are very, very right to be excited about what Jalen Johnson's potential is. And, you know, we'll get to see more of that heading into the regular season. But I think the other thing that, you know, kind of made me excited about this second unit is Frank Kaminsky. I think we were all a little bit worried about where he would fit into this rotation and, you know, what his role on this team would be. And 
I think he showed that he could be that guy, that body that they need inside the paint, but also the guy that can stretch the floor. I believe he knocked down his his first two shots from three off of assists from uh, Murray there. And that's that's certainly what helped them get back in the game. And having that outside shooting, I think a lot of people were a little bit nervous that after they traded away Kevin Herter and, you know, Danilo Gallinari, that they wouldn't have that shooting. But I think that they have quite a few options, especially if, you know, they can get the right flow of the game, get these guys in the spots that make them comfortable. And, um, you know, between Johnson knocking down a couple of shots from three throughout the entire game, uh, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, even Murray. I think I think that the Hawks have found some spark, some outside shooting that can help maintain that. And obviously, uh, Trey Young, he he's a bucket when his game is on. So uh, I don't think there should be nearly as much worry about outside shooting. What do you think, Daniel? Yeah, I, I agree. And I think when you have a guy like Kaminsky that could come in if you need a three-point spark, you're down three or six, or the offense is just lagging and you don't really put a lot of defensive pressure on Kaminsky because you're going to probably dare him to shoot those threes. He knocks a couple down. He, he can certainly get things going. Um, back last year when I was with New Orleans, our play-by-play -play guy used to despise him because every time he came into the game, he'd knock down a few threes in a row and just change the momentum of the game completely. And he brings that veteran experience. He was with the Phoenix Suns during their, their finals run. Um, seems like a good guy in the locker room. And again, I think those things are important for a team that's, I guess, young, but not young at the same time, that they have some young leaders, but I've been in the league for a little bit now. They really don't call them young. And so... Pun intended, I guess, with Trey, but I'll, I'll leave it at that. So, yeah, I think a guy like Frank, and again, as you mentioned, the Holiday Brothers and Jalen, I, I think if you need that three-pointer from a second unit or that spark off the bench, you have some options beyond the perimeter. Yeah, and I, I, I think that because, as you mentioned, with that veteran experience, I mean, just or sorry, Aaron Holiday also has experience with Phoenix going deep into the playoffs. You know, he was with them last year. He learned from the what they what they call Chris Paul, the point god or or, or something like that. So he he's gotten that experience. And I, I've been very, very happy with how he has played in, you know, the couple of preseason games that we've seen from him so far. But obviously the Hawks don't want to get into a position where they need to be relying so heavily on that second unit to kind of get them back into games and you know, obviously Nate was happy with the response that that second unit uh, provided, but he doesn't want to. And obviously the Hawks don't want to get into a position where they're down 16 points, down 20 points in a regular season game, especially now that these games count toward toward everything. So here's what Nate had to say about kind of avoiding uh, getting so far down like they did against uh, New Orleans. You're going to have some nights like that. Uh, we, we, we hope that it's not a lot of those nights, but uh, I like the way we responded. Uh, I thought uh, uh, DJ responded to that challenge, and he took Ingram in that second quarter and guarded him and uh, kind of settled some, uh, some, uh, the team down. Uh, he started to uh, initiate offense for us, uh, create opportunities, score and uh, get us back into the game. So, uh, no, we don't want those types of starts, but uh, it's a long game, and you have to uh, make adjustments, as our guys did. And obviously those guys did make adjustments, which 
a lot of it came on the defensive end. So here is what Jalen Johnson had to say about them kind of locking in and playing better defense. Yeah, I think it's just on the defense end. I think that's what's going to set, set, set the team offensively. And, you know, um, if we get stops, it's going to lead to buckets. So if the other team can't score, um, if we can't score, like, we'll, we'll live with that. But, you know, getting stops leads to transition um, and other opportunities. So. Yeah. So I think what they did on Friday night kind of speaks for itself with them getting those stops, getting those transition buckets, knocking down threes. But yeah, so we won't talk your ear off too much more about preseason, especially with the regular season beginning on Wednesday. The Hawks open that uh, regular season up against the Rockets. The game starts at 7.30. So we'll get a chance to see hometown kid Jabari Smith in action for the first time, the number three overall pick in the 2022 draft. But before we get into that, this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Before we continue going into the regular season and, and previewing that, I want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. So if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And your first month of unlimited digital, digital access is 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. All right. So, Daniel, I'm curious, how much do you know about the Rockets this season? I know a little bit. I think they're a team that's, I guess, not quite there yet. Obviously, they're going through rebuilding. I mean, they got, you mentioned Jabari Smith. They got Jalen Green. They have a lot of young talent, but I don't think they're going to be ready to take that next step. Um, as far as making a leap in the Western Conference, they'll probably be in the bottom two, bottom three, even at the bottom. Um, so I think for the Hawks, it's a very winnable game to start things off. And you mentioned the schedule. It's them, then it's the Magic, then it's the Hornets, and then two against the Pistons. You mentioned it. It could be a 5-0 and start, which I think is super important to take advantage of the schedule in front of you because that means down the road it's going to be a little bit tougher. But as far as the, the Rockets, but they're also going to be a team that really has nothing to lose, too. When you have those guys that are young that you know, they can go off at any time. And I think you can overlook them so easily because, oh, they're not really a threat. But um, it's not something that the Hawks need to just say, all right, this game's over. Um, but at the same time, it should be a chance for them to get comfortable with one another, a chance to get some confidence and playing with each other and, and hopefully get a win. Absolutely. I'm right there with you on that. It should be a winnable game, especially again, those first five games should be winnable games. All of these teams are kind of young and scrappy teams, not so much the Hornets, just because they have a lot of veterans in that roster, but they're also going to be without LaMelo Ball, who is dealing with an ankle sprain. But 
you know, with the with the Rockets, I'm really excited to see, you know, how much Jalen Green has taken a step forward. I mean, the last time he played the Hawks, I believe he went off for like 42 or 43 points. So, you know, it's it's going to be a young and scrappy team. And I think what's going to make this an exciting matchup is the Hawks are also a young and scrappy team that just happens to have a bit more veteran presence on, on the roster. But on Sunday, when, you know, we were able to go to practice at the Hawks practice facility up in Brookhaven, uh, you know, Nate McMillan kind of alluded to the team going into the bench as much as they need to this season um, I mean, they're going to be without bogey on Wednesday. He is not ready to go for that opener just because he hasn't really done any live play. He's really been limited to shooting um, after practice. I'm sure he's still doing his rehab when the guys are are doing five on five and other drills like that. But, you know, I was happy to see that he was working with Kyle Korver at the end of practice on Sunday um, getting up shots and actually doing a lot of uh, footwork. And it was inter- interesting to see kind of Kyle Korver breaking stuff down for Bogey. At one point, he kind of showed him how to get into a stance a little bit quicker um, from outside the three-point line. At one point, he was talking about that step into the shot and keeping that stride a little bit shorter just because it will end up using less muscle than if he were to try and take a longer stride. So that was really cool to see how involved uh, Kyle has been with this with this group. And it doesn't matter if they're at the top of the roster or the bottom of the roster. He's giving everyone tips. Um, but yeah, so Bogey won't be playing on Wednesday. So I think if we're going to be pre- predicting who will be the first off the bench, I'm going to guess that it's probably Justin Holiday. He'll come in for DeAndre Hunter or they'll have DeAndre Hunter kind of slide up to the four a little bit and then Justin Holiday play the three. But both of those guys can kind of toggle between both of those positions. So I think in these early games, that's kind of the rotation that we can anticipate Seeing, I mean, we saw it a little bit in the preseason that, you know, Justin was kind of the first person to come off the bench. I mean, in that second preseason game, it was uh, AJ Griffin. But the caveat there was that Nate said in that game that he wanted it to be a chance for him to see what all of those young guys could do. So I think that was kind of an anomaly there. Um, But yeah, I mean... The, the team is not worried about its depth. And, and here is what Nate said in terms of how far they'll go, go into the, to the roster. We can go as deep as we need to. You know? uh, normally you, you, you get comfortable with a nine, uh, maybe a 10-man rotation. It's really tough to play 10 guys. Uh, but you know we feel we have guys, we have depth uh, on our bench, and we'll go as as deep as we need to. So yeah, they have 14 guys under uh, guaranteed contracts and then they have two players on two-way deals. So, I mean, what I guess excites you about the fact that they have so much depth? I mean, I think kind of Nate said it. It's the fact that they have the ability to go deeper into the bench if they need to. It, It is hard to go even past nine. I think it's tough to really get those second unit guys into a rhythm if you're only playing them just a few minutes coming off the bench. So 
I think that you do trust those guys, whether it's the Holiday Brothers, whether it's Kaminsky, whether it's Jalen Johnson, whether it's a Kongwu. Uh, again, we're without with these injuries, you know, it's hard to kind of tell right now what could change. Um, but at the same time, I think the fact that they do have these options to go with, I think that's that's what excites me. You have guys that can pull up from three if you need to. You have guys that can come in just for a couple defensive stops. So you have guys that can do multiple things. I think that certainly helps the Hawks as far as be as versatile as possible. Agreed. And I think, as you mentioned, when this team is healthy, because we can't predict what's going to happen uh, injury-wise, we just we just don't know. Freak things happen all the time. But with this, when this Hawks team is completely healthy, I think it could be matchup dependent as far as how far into that bench they go or who is in that sort of nine, 10 man rotation. I think, you know, we've seen Onyeka be able to go up against some of those bigger guys like Joel Embiid and, and Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez, but he really struggled against Valanchunas on Friday and, and, you know, them turning to Frank was kind of what settled things down and turned things around. So I'm curious if the Hawks seeing, you know, how Onyeka was right now up against some of those bigger bodied guys, if that maybe bumped Frank up a little bit in, in the rotation, just because of that veteran presence. But, you know, based on what Onyeka has done over the last couple of years, I also, you know, can kind of see them turning to him just because he is that young and scrappy guy and and he has shown the capability of being able to handle some of those bigger bodies. But I also think they like what he and Jalen Johnson can do together. Um, you know, we've seen them kind of rolling it out a little bit of Jalen being that creator, especially for Onyeka. And uh, I, I, I just, I'm really curious to see now, you know, what they decide on going forward. Yeah, I think that could just be, as you mentioned, matchup based. Um, when you're looking at teams that play primarily bigger centers, um, bigger power forwards, that if you need Kaminsky to kind of go up against a guy like Valanchunas, or you mentioned a Giannis or Joel Embiid, that Kaminsky may be the better guy opportunity. But if you have a team that plays a little smaller with some big guys that are more athletic, like a Jaron Jackson Jr. that can, you know, go behind the arc and you have to worry about that, then maybe that's where Kongu comes in and really steps up. So I think that's the, the luxury of what Nate said about how deep they could go. It could be matchup oriented. If you're playing a bigger team that has just two solid bigs that it's hard to match up with, then you might see Kaminsky play a little bit more just to have that body to go up against. But if it's a more athletic four or five, then you probably can put a Congo in there because he can probably stick with them a little better. Agreed. And I think, you know, that's such a good luxury for this team to have. And I, I I think that they put some of that worry to to rest, as I mentioned at the top of the show, just just kind of based on what they've looked like this thus far. I mean, obviously it's real now, so you know they're gonna they're gonna know a little bit more about who the matchups are, just because all of the teams aren't necessarily worried about looking getting a look at some of the guys further down on their bench. So uh, I think game planning, scout, scouting, and, you know, all of that will be a little bit easier um, moving forward. So uh, with that, we've talked about the regular season and it's now time 
for the mailbag. <laughs> um, Woohoo! Yes, <laughs> we're still we're still working on how to transition into that. We're still experimenting, so feel free to shoot us your ideas. <laughs> I don't know, Daniel. Yeah, send us some music yeah. to put under there that we can kind of dun dun dun. Exactly. Maybe something like that that we can that we can do. Or can we get the? Um, we have a couple. I was gonna say, can we get the rights to the Blues Clues <laughs> mailbag from <laughs> from that? Throw it back, way back to our childhood days. Well, we'll have to talk to our lawyers about that, but we can <laughs> we can definitely make that happen. All right, let's start with not new to this. What's the Hawks' best lineup? I think we kind of touched on that a little bit, um, and I think some of that will depend on injuries. But what do you think the best Hawks lineup is heading into the regular season? So, I think. Okay, I'll split it into two. I think I'll say the best lineup is obviously the starters. I mean, they're they're the starters for a reason. They're the Hawks' five best players. Um, so I don't think that comes as a surprise when you say that that's the best lineup because you've got the shooting, you've got the scoring um, with DeJounte and Trey um, and DeAndre. Um, obviously, John Collins as well. He He hasn't, I think, found his rhythm quite yet in the preseason, but now that things are going to be happening for real, I think we'll see a little bit more as this team kind of figures out how it fits together. But my favorite lineup is actually the lineup that we did get to see in uh, Birmingham with the Holiday Brothers, DeJounte, Jalen, and Frank. I just, I don't know. I just love seeing guys get those defensive stops and turn it into offense. I just, it's what makes this game fun. I mean, you want to see see things moving. You want to see the ball zipping around. You want to see them kind of shutting things down. You don't want to see stagnant offense. So, yeah, I think I think that's kind of where I am. All right. The next one is from Midrange Dre. Considering the rising cap, is it possible that we can offer DeJounte an extension that he'd sign? I think it's fair to say that it might be a little too soon to start thinking about what is fair for DeJounte's extension. I mean, we've seen him in preseason games and and that and and he's done really really well. I don't want to discount what he's done in the exhibition series, but we want to make sure that we see what he's going to be like in the regular season when these games count. We want to see if he can be that X factor that helps them get over the hump and go deep into the playoffs. And I, I think then we can kind of start to consider what the extension will be and how it fits into the cap. This last one's from me as you kind of asked me about the excitement for the regular season, but kind of how confident are you in this Hawks squad from what you saw in the four games over the preseason as they head into the regular season on Wednesday against Houston? You know, I'm I'm definitely a lot more confident than I was when we started the preseason. Um, I still think that they have a really tough road ahead of them because the Eastern Conference is just so deep. Um, so it's it's going to be a competitive season. But if we can see um, games like we saw in the, the second quarter and then being able to sustain it across all four quarters, I mean, I think the sky is the limit for this team. And I think once Trey and DeJounte kind of get that chemistry going, the rest of the team gets the chemistry going, I, I think that, you know, they'll they'll have a really good season. 
especially once they get bogey back. Um, you know, Clint said his Clint Capella said that his finger was doing better. So I think we can expect to see him, you know, throughout the season, he's working on making sure that that sprain is better. So, you know, if we can get this team being as healthy as possible, I, I and and they can stay healthy as possible, I think I think they can have a really good good year. All right, you can tweet at Lauren at Williams Lauren L for the mailbag, which we do every week, and I'll throw it back to you, Lauren. Yeah, so we're really excited to see the start of the season and and real games happening. And with that, this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Again, if you haven't subscribed, we encourage you to subscribe at subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. And we also encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcasts wherever you get them, whether that's Spotify or Apple. And with that, again, I'll close it out. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.